Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. I'm your host, Brian. Hey, thanks for listening in. This is Robert. Hey, I'm Zach. Join us for each episode as we apply the gospel to dive into the inner workings of the Christian faith. Are you agnostic or atheist and want to understand Christianity better? Want to learn more about Jesus? Discuss the differences between the modern and early churches? or maybe explore some of the Bible's most interesting characters, then we hope you'll join us in Achieving Christian Thought. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, here another episode of the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. Um, as always, Zach and Robert here. Hello. Hey. Uh, if you uh, haven't listened to us before, welcome. Um, if you have, uh, consider give us a like, uh, leave us a review on whatever streaming platform you're listening to us on. We'd really appreciate it. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but yeah, um, diving right into tonight's episode. Um, I think we're going to dive kind of in like what it means to be a Christian, I guess, more specifically self-sacrifice mm-hmm. yeah. and how it kind of forces you to, I guess that's a big first step of like yeah. Yeah. putting someone else above you and mm-hmm. actually kind of forcing you to kind of grow right, right. and mature mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, so that should be an interesting topic uh, to dive into. Oh, so yeah. Zach, yeah. Robert, I'll let you guys Woo-hoo. take it over. You want to go? All right. So uh, jumping right into this whole thing. Um, one of the things that inspired us, other than just the simple fact that um, self-sacrifice is such a huge staple of Christianity for the last 2,000 years it's been around, but one of the reasons we felt the need to really jump into this topic, we felt it was much more timely than some of our other topics. There will always be a time to talk about the divinity of Jesus, the historical reliability of certain things. But uh, something in our culture that has been a big issue, just because it, it just shows a sense of people lacking purpose, which is always a tragedy when people are made in God's image. Uh, we've recently become slightly aware of this trend in the youngest generations, basically people our own age and younger, uh, called the cadulting phenomenon. And they've been it, that's just a merger between the words kid and adult. And uh, basically, it's this idea that more and more people are uh, legally, uh, physically, mentally, emotionally entering adulthood, and uh, they're leaving the stages of their childhood, and yet they're finding themselves um, unable or unwill, uh, mainly unwilling to let go of the childhood things of their past. And what we're talking about is this fear of committing to something, this fear of um, making a certain sacrifice to in order to make a big meaningful contribution to society, and so there's there have been scores of young people who either uh, drift through their college years and they really don't know if they want to finish school or not because they don't have any drive to put the work in to do uh, what needs to be done to finish their degrees, or they don't really want to put the work in to stick with the jobs that they have, the careers that they may have chosen. Some just choose drifting jobs and don't barely hold on to that. Um, If you've heard of the phenomenon quiet quitting, it's literally as soon as the job gets difficult, and I don't even mean hard, but 
slightly difficult if my my English makes makes any sense to you guys. As soon as it gets any, uh, there's as soon as there's any difficulty in it, they just literally drift out of that job. They don't even want to face the boss. They can't put in a notice. They literally just choose to disappear, and that's all you gotta do is never dis never show up again. And it just shows this uh, kind of this uh, cowardice in a way in our in our population. And I don't mean that in some scolding way, like I'm bashing the youngins, but. Um, I mean, it is a big problem because altogether these things are all symptoms pointing to a, a real lack of focus, a real lack of purpose in our lives. We're drifting through our lives, and by the time we get to these adult years, uh, we either don't know what we want to do, which isn't a, is not a sin in and of itself, but people that don't want to find a purpose, people who don't want to put in the effort to genuinely make something of themselves to sacrifice things in order to get things that are much better they'd rather be much um, more quickly satisfied um, trying to hold on to things from their childhood um, and I'll be careful here but you know things like video games things like collectibles they would rather pour all their time and effort into this and I'm not saying that's a bad thing that's what I meant when I said I wanted to be careful um, it is totally fine to be into video games, into Comic-Con things, into pop culture. But when all of your attention goes to it, you don't want to hold a job because that's all you want to do. You don't want to get married because that's all you want to do. You're terrified of the idea of having kids because a, a child would actually demand something from you. And you would rather just do nothing with yourself. Now that is a massive problem and it completely flies in the face of what Jesus meant when he was talking about carrying your cross and so that's a summary of the problem mm -hmm. and anytime we see that in culture whether it's now or in a hundred years or if it happened a hundred years ago that would be a big problem but uh zach let's touch on the solution what was jesus teaching about so when we think about um carrying a cross obvious uh, in in my head it's it's something that is a burden it's something that's heavy it's something that will cut you in the sense that it will leave splinters and and it will um, be something that's hard. Um, and what Jesus was talking about was talking about how um, there was a personal responsibility that each individual has to have in coming to uh, faith in Christ. In other words, kind of like... Um, if you think about it in the sense of whenever you're first exposed to Christianity, one of the first fundamental things that you have to understand that um, is Jesus is God and I am not. My views of who I am versus the views of what God says I am don't line up. I might think I'm the most awesome person there is out there, you know, or I might think I'm the scum of the earth. Um, and if you hold one view of like saying you're the greatest thing ever, you're wrong and you need to get more in the center. And if, but if you feel like you're the deadbeat of the earth or, or the world, you need to get more in the center of like, like you don't want to be on either of those extremes. But first you have to realize that a, you're a sinner, and B, your sins, what you did on every single day, 
is what Jesus died for. And so as the, one of the first fundamental steps of Christianity is you acknowledging that you don't have it all. You know, God's not looking to draft you, you know, into the kingdom of God. You know, it's none of those things. You're just literally God paid the price so that you can then be free. And But in that, it is carrying your cross daily. It is submitting not to your will. It's submitting his will. It's submitting um, not to your plans. Not to say that there's not, you know, not there's something wrong with uh, having plans or whatever, but it's submitting those plans to God and saying, Lord, I want to do this, but you've called me to this. Like, in other words, um, I want to sit at home and play video games and eat uh, Cheez-Its versus I want to go or, you know, I, I must go out and get a job and provide for my family. The want and what I should do don't always line up. And whenever they don't, I have to forsake what I want to do, take up that cross, and move forward in that self-sacrifice. Um, and, and, and that's one of the things is with having a family – having a wife, having people that hold you accountable for your your time and your decisions and your financial decisions, that is a big part of sacrifice. Like, uh, And I think that's one of the reasons why we don't want to commit, why some people don't want to commit. Because if you commit to a relationship and you commit to a marriage, then that person has a right. Like you've given that person permission to be in your life be in your stuff and say hey look i have a job you need to get a job or you know what 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 is your goal what is your ambition what is your desire what 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 are you doing and if it's just sitting around eating cheese it's and playing video games that doesn't fly you know like and if you have a spark a, a, a spouse or a you know a husband or a wife whatever they have a right to ask you what are you doing because you've allowed those people in your life because you've made a, co- a covenant with them because of marriage um, and or children you factor in children children come into play um, in such a dynamic way in the sense that um, you oftentimes have to stop what it is that you want I mean I'm reminded of it like my on my days off from my job i want to sit and i want to read and maybe write or what have you but my son wants my attention my son wants to do stuff with me and you know and it's sometimes it's stop doing what you're doing and pay attention to your child because he's about to stick a fork in the socket <laughs> i mean like you have to as an adult, as a as a, a parent, you have to have you have to develop that parental skill of where where is your child and what are you doing and what is that child doing and how focused are are you on that child's safety? All those things, all those components come together into the sort of 
denying your personal wants and denying your uh, 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 desires and fo- and and then channeling that into a um, more productive uh, uh, existence, I guess you could say. Um, because it's one thing to say as a single person, you know, who lives at home, who doesn't have a job, and whose parents are always yelling at them, like, oh, you need to get a job, you need to get a job, you need to get a job, you know, versus, okay, you have rent, you have a wife, you have kids, those kids want to eat, <laughs> your wife wants to eat, you want to eat, okay, you want your values to be shared and you want to put those values into your children well in order to do that you have to stop doing the things that you like to do and instead pour your time and effort and energy into raising those children so then that they're actually productive members of society and how this all comes back to the forefront here is what does it mean to be a productive member of society what does it mean to be uh, a functioning adult and that means self-sacrifice that means putting what you want to do down for what must be done uh, a great another way of thinking of it like is as as imagine if you're a soldier um, and you're the first out there in the, in the behind enemy lines, and you step on the mine, it's then your responsibility to, to, take, the, to take the fall so the next guy behind you can, can make it further than you did. It's sacrificing yourself. It's denying yourself. It's doing the things that... Um, that foster growth personally and um, and those things are frowned upon a lot of times in our society this uh, kind of like the cadulting thing that Robert was talking about earlier um, it's a phenomenon that um, it, it's, a, it's a sad state um, to be in where you don't know what you want to do and and for me personally uh, there is the temptation to not do things, but you fill those things with your own personal desires. But the problem with that is, is your personal desires can change on a whim, you know. And next thing you know, you're like you're chasing over this uh, fetish over here. You're chasing over that fetish over there. And next thing you know, you're not finding fulfillment. You're not finding joy. You're not finding peace. You're not finding all these things that are defined by actually going out and denying yourself, um, if that makes sense, and actually being a productive member of society. Mm -hmm. I mean, great. I mean, it all funnels into, you know, that teaching where Jesus, and it was shocking when he said it was, uh, you know, you shall uh, carry your cross and follow me. And it it doesn't say it in Scripture, but, I mean, you have to imagine the crowd just kind of going, what? He can't possibly mean that because it was – even at the time, it was known as nothing but a burden, something that you would take up if you were executed, uh, sentenced to execution. And so what could Jesus have possibly meant by that? And it's just the idea that if you really want to go after him, you have to be willing to metaphorically lay yourself down. In other words, 
Your goals in life, if you have any at all, must be subordinate to him. Your desires, your your personality, anything about you, every little small piece and quirk of your personality and existence in this world falls underneath his lordship. And the question that has to be asked with this is, you know, what is the payoff? Because it's one thing for us to talk for an hour about how it's uh, your duty to be a functioning member of society, um, your children need you, your spouse needs you, um, the the economy needs you as an em- as an employee, and <laughs> your boss needs your you. boss needs you desperately. But uh, <laughs> but I mean, for us to say that it's just duty can really wear down even the most sincere of uh, people who want to follow Christ and make a contribution in all the right ways, who want to step out into the scary waters of adulthood and uh, join the workforce and join uh, the married couples of the country all over the world, commit themselves to someone else and put themselves in the back seat. And so what is the payoff? Of course, the payoff is Jesus himself. Jesus gave this parable of, you know, the kingdom of heaven. It's like someone who found a treasure in the ground that was of such value, this person literally sold everything else they had so they could buy the field and claim the the treasure that was in that field. So basically Jesus was using that story to say that once you realize what he means, everything that you can find in him you'll realize that everything you're holding on to in this world pales in comparison. And you'll realize that uh, him demanding lordship over every facet of your life is actually, in, in the long run, it's a very small price to pay in exchange for all the benefits that come with uh, being a child of the king for all eternity. Now, of course, without the worldview of Christianity, all of this kind of falls back into focus where you're only looking in the tunnel vision of what's coming before you this very afternoon or the next day or next week. But in light of eternity, you find that contentment to give yourself away for other people. You find this contentment to commit yourself to changing the world for the better in productive ways because you have something that um, that loss of free time, that loss of play, um, the tackling of the scariest things you've ever had to face as an adult, all of these things come into focus that, you know, you may have lost them, but you actually haven't lost anything of eternal value if you have Christ. And I would say that's the ultimate solution to cadulting, not just because I'm a Christian and I'd put Jesus on everything, but I, I'm a Christian because I believe that that's true. It, it, it flops the other way around because I believe that Jesus is worth every bit of pain it takes to be a good Um, husband or wife, the pain it takes to be a good uh, parent, the pain it takes to be a productive employee um, within reason. Employment um, can be a place of abuse in extreme cases, but uh, to be a genuinely productive one in the fairest sense of the word, uh, to contribute yourself and be willing to step out and get a, a degree in something, to become educated, uh, to put down entertainment long enough to make connections with people, to be willing to uh, do, uh, do the the work that it takes in order to make these contributions. He is the answer to all of these things because once you have a relationship with him, he gives you that power, that wisdom, that peace in order to see your whole life in a new light because it would be the biggest tragedy ever 
to live our entire lives on this earth and look back and realize that we had wasted a good portion of it, perhaps most most of it, just chasing our own selfish desires. And it is not what Christ wanted for us. It's it's a paradox in the sense that God knew because he made us. He knew that our nature is we are the most fulfilled when we pour ourselves out the most. It's when we actually try to retain the most for ourselves. It's when we're the most greedy, the most selfish, uh, the most uh, haughty and childish in the most negative sense is when we are doing these things that we actually become the emptiest. Mm -hmm. And that's one reason I think um, that depression has become such a big issue with our culture. Now, some of it is clinical. I won't deny that. I'm not going to just throw throw evidence in, in medical science's face. But a lot of the depression really does have to do with this idea that the world has become a place that's genuinely just about you. We accept a worldview that you really are just an animalistic accident in a universe with nothing over it. It didn't come from anything. It's not going to anything. Well, now what? And you're kind of stranded with no sense of purpose or direction. You can do whatever you want to now. You have your personal freedoms. But we are designed in such a way that when we focus too much on ourselves, we become empty. And so uh, the, uh, the reports you hear of depression, um, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with a spiritual the component uh, rather than just brain chemistry. I mean, we're holistic beings. Every part of us affects every other part of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so when you become sen uh, senseless, aimless in life, it, it, I, I would say it's kind of connected to the same trigger that puts us into a state of boredom. You don't know what you want to do. You really don't uh, feel, you feel like you want to do something, but you don't even know what it is. Nothing appeals to you. Uh, it's like the world, emotionally, it's like the world just turns gray. All the colors are gone. And I mean, there, and I'm not going to pretend to be a psychology expert on this, but there are reports of this happening more and more accurately, um, accurately, more and more um, acutely, more regularly regularly thank you you pulled you finally pulled the brain out you finally pulled the word out of my brain it literally decided to let that word go as soon as i tried to use it more regularly as uh time goes on despite the fact that we're more comfortable as a society than we've ever been uh things like suicide are a very very modern phenomenon when you look at the grand scheme of world history now there's some people who would try to argue against that but it's just the numbers are there Mm -hmm. And you see people living lives in their minds to the fullest, but Jesus himself knew what would make somebody truly rich on the inside. And he knew that that answer was himself. And so when he says to carry your cross, he didn't want us to just focus on that first sentence. I mean, uh, first part of the sentence, the whole sentence was carry your cross and follow me. Mm -hmm. And if we're not doing it to follow him, we're going to get burnt out. We're going to become come to uh, despise the cross that we've chosen to pick up. Uh, that's one reason I think we see some uh, uh, midlife crises. People pick up their crosses. They have their careers. They have their families. The American dream told them that this would make them fulfilled, but they have the cross, but they're following the wrong Savior. And when they get halfway up that cross, if you look at the metaphor of life, they kind of stop and look around and they start to resent what they've carried because in their minds they see very, very little payoff 
in that first half of their whole lives and they think if this is it you know then i really am stranded in this hopeless situation and they try to recapture a childhood they think if if i can somehow get back to the bottom of that hill and find another cross that's not as heavy or not as awkward to carry maybe i can make something much better of this second half of my life before it's too late and that's nihilistic thinking in itself like mm. when once once my life is over it's too late to continue anything that's going on but uh, that's one of the things where uh, the value of eternal life comes in the idea that death is not the end you will continue on and on and on as long as you lived your life in light of what god's purpose was for you then you can pass into the next realm totally content knowing that your story was got what god intended for your story to be from the very beginning yeah and and, it, and it's easy to to look and and say hey you know we need to straighten up and you know do xyz and things like that it's easy to say those things it's a whole lot more to actually go out and do that it's it, it's um we come to the society that we're in today and you know we're not going to get political but there's almost like there's an encouragement to consume and i, I guess that's probably the safest way to put it like we we consume we focus on ourselves we focus on um just our uh whatever we want the things that we have that we can get and 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 um and how we can get more of those things and and spend all of our time and it, you know and if we could figure out a way to really make it big doing something we love and then there's nothing wrong like if you like want to be for a great example for me is like I love writing and I would one day want to be a writer but that may not be what the Lord has for me you know there might be I might have to have a uh, 40 hour week job plus overtime the rest of my life until you know the lord calls me home or whatever happens happens you know i don't know the future but the lord does but one thing that our society really focuses on is that sort of self-centeredness and and that was kind of what i was getting at earlier um is that we often uh <clears throat> because we're focusing so much on ourselves and focusing so much on our wants and our desires that we kind of remain in this childish mentality that never really truly matures. And that's what self, I feel like self-sacrifice kind of develops a certain characteristic about you or me as an individual that will help us move forward into a, a different dynamic uh, level of maturity that um, because if you only focus on yourself, me, 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 my, 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 I, 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 what, what I want, you know, that's very childish, but it goes and puts it on its head whenever you say, no, it's not what I want. It's what the Lord wants. What does the Lord want me to do? And it's fine to not know necessarily completely what that is, but it's to seek out his his kingdom, his will for your life, not to just go from 
obsession to obsession to obsession, but actually seek God's faith. Like, make seeking the Lord your obsession. Make, um, I mean, because God at the same time, he does call some people to singleness. He does call some people to to have a family and and to... And then, you know, we through sinful acts or other people's sinful acts, uh, we might lose that family or we might, uh, I won't say lose, but maybe um, that it, it becomes uh, separated or, you know, what have you. I mean, those things happen, unfortunately. Um, and what usually is the case of that is one or more people chose to be selfish instead of selfless. And and one big thing about marriage, one big thing about commitment is the fact that um, you have to take the other person into consideration. You have to be willing to hear what they have to say and not just blast them whenever they don't do what you think they should do or vice versa. If they have an opinion of what they think you should be doing, you should be willing to listen to hear what they have to say and not blast them for having a different view than what you have. Like, going back to my illustration earlier, like if you're in a marriage, you know, and your wife says, hey, you know, I'm, I got a, I got a job, but we're not making it. We need you to also pick up the, the, the slack and also have a job. So it's like, so you both can then become productive members of society, but then also, you because you're listening to what your wife or husband is saying you then communicate at a higher level than what you were doing before where you were just focused on various other things or your own personal preferences whereas now you're focusing on listening to what your spouse is telling you and you're actually communicating and that is nine tenths of relationship is communication and and those things like that um, again me and Robert are not you know, master um, uh, psychologist or anything like that. I'm just I'm just a, a regular guy with a couple degrees, of, like a simple degree of in in Bible study. But like, there is so much more fulfillment out there that is waiting if we just actually stop and say, what is it that the Lord wants me to do? At the end of the day, what what do I mean? Be mindful of what you want, but take what you want and lay it at the altar. And maybe the Lord redeems it and you can use it and you can do something for the kingdom. And he might have you do something else. And at the end of the day, be okay with it. Uh, I said it before earlier, like I want to be a writer, but that may not be what the Lord has for me. You know, I mean, we're doing a podcast right now, and a few years ago, that wouldn't even been on the agenda for me. I mean, and and now it is for this period of time in my life. And is it going to go on forever? Probably not. But I mean, it might go on for. It's already gone on for almost two years now. So it's like, it's amazing what you'll find yourself doing if you just submit to the Lordship and just see what He has for you, and just be willing to take those steps and walk in obedience and you'll be surprised where you find yourself whenever you take up your cross and you follow Jesus you might find yourself in a, a another country sharing the gospel you might find yourself um 
in a neighborhood that you don't live in sharing the gospel. You might find yourself at the workplace sharing the gospel. You might find yourself at a whole different occupation than what you could even fathom because, you know, God's put you there miraculously um, to, to do his will, and you're an ambassador in that location. I mean, by willing to follow the cross, by willing to do what God's called you to do, that is fulfillment. That leads to growth. That leads to spiritual maturity. That leads to, you know, uh, and that dying to yourself, that level of maturity, then you can then educate others who are going along um, the next generation, you know, and that becomes a whole different level of fulfillment whenever you have, whether it's your children or some other children that have been placed in your, your care or even just in your, your, your uh, study, time, your time of study as far as like, you know, your Sunday school teacher or something like that, you know, and you have the chance to influence uh, children or young adults and say, hey, look, guys, it, fulfillment in life is not by consumerism. It's not by these things. It's by following God. By doing that and helping those who have the ears to hear and listen and helping guide those who want to follow in that direction leads to more fulfillment. And the next thing you know, you just are, are blessed upon blessed upon blessed because you're doing what God called you to do. And, and whether it rewards in the here and now, the ultimate rewards is, is like Robert said, is having the eternal perspective of one day you will stand before God and he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have given, you have done what I've called you to do. Now see the fruits of what you've done with your life and, and you know, see the, the ministry and see the people that you've led to the Lord, see the people who you've helped guide and like the Lord's used you to guide them in a direction that they didn't even know to, to go on until those people were in your life. I mean, the, the, the opportunities are endless, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So let me ask you this, just to play kind of devil's advocate for our listeners who might be asking this question. So, Let's say I'm not a Christian, I'm not fully believing this, whatever, and I'm not quite sure, or even maybe I am a new Christian. Mm-hmm. Are you saying, like, Jesus is going to be upset with me if I devote full time to, let's say, a career? Or let's say I don't want a family, I don't want kids, I mm-hmm. don't want to get married. Is that a bad thing? Are you saying that that's ungodly or unchristian or let's say that i have the opportunity to strike it big being a next youtuber sensation or influencer or i can be a you know i've got a million followers on youtube who watch my gaming channel Mm -hmm. watch me play video games and that's how i make my living right so Mm -hmm. is that ungodly is that unchristian does he have a problem with that yes no no i'm being sarcastic but uh yeah that's actually something i was worried about when we first started doing this um episode not the whole podcast but (laughs) blanket statements because 
I was thinking that's one reason I've kind of uh, stuttered in some places trying to think ahead before I speak. I thought, yeah. well, mm-hmm. will this come across a certain way? Like, boo, hiss, Nintendo. Like, I play video games in my own spare time as well. But um, at the same time, I am a church pastor. I actually want to contribute something to the world. And I would say there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to stay single. There's nothing wrong with wanting to play video games. There's nothing wrong with enjoying these things. Being childlike and childish are two totally different things, Mm -hmm. depending on the connotations. I mean, even Jesus himself said, unless you receive me like a little child, well, what does that mean? Your heart's full of wonder. You enjoy, you know, experiencing the good things in the world. And it all falls under, because I'm not just contradicting myself from one sentence to the next. The whole difference between these things are context and motivation. Mm -hmm. If you would like to stay single, but you're motivated to make a difference in the world, that is different from the cadulting that we talk about. If you simply are terrified that the idea of becoming a parent or a family person will, you know, ruin your chances of just having lots of fun. Now that is a cadult. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you're someone who feels genuinely called to be single, uh, you have no real desire for a family, not out of fear or uh, the desire to avoid responsibility. If you'd rather put that responsibility in something else and you sincerely have peace in Christ that this is the path for you, and deep down you'll know if you're trying to use that to justify Mm -hmm. selfishness. But if it really is the correct motivation and the correct context, then there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with um, just sitting down and, you know, binging your way through a TV series in your spare time, as long as that TV series doesn't drag out all day long, you do not hold a job, kids uh, make you break out in a rash, um, as long as there's no selfishness involved, and it's okay to stay single, as long as you're just not, you're not just doing it because you think that uh, you have better things to do than raise a bunch of snotty kids, and your heart just is in all the wrong places, and uh, there and you'll know the difference when you when you sense that in yourself. Is there's those who really feel called to be single, and there are those who volunteer to do it because they think it's the easy way out of life. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's my quick response oh, yeah. to that. Yeah. But anything yeah. you'd add? Well, I mean, at any point, you know, anything could be potentially, you know, and this goes back to kind of like what Robert's saying. Anything could be an idol. Um, anything a career can be an idol uh, uh, even a a family i mean like you know all these things can can have a negative aspect in your life if you allow it but the flip side of that you know like self-sacrifice leads to um maturity and and in that you know if you if your motive, kind of going back to what Robert's saying, is if your motivation is pure, then then it will. It, I won't say it will work out, but in a, in a way, it will. I mean, like you know, those things will be fine. It, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. I mean, at the end of the day, if you have the opportunity to have a business. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. If you have the opportunity to be a parent, to be a single parent, to adopt kids across the, like, here's a, here's a great example. Um, let's say, let's say this is just random thought here. Like, let's say that you 
um, play video games and you have, you know, a thousand, two million, billion, whatever subscribers that watch you play video <laughs> games, okay, and you're single and, and you know, you make lots of money and then you could turn around, take that money and use it for God's kingdom, for God's glory. You can go and you can adopt uh, kids in, in third world countries. You could do all kind. There's all kinds of things that you could do if um, you were to follow what God calls you to do and just walk in obedience to that. If you were to take up your cross and then find a way to do these things like let's say you weren't a christian you became a christian and now you have a million followers following you on whatever social media platform that'll be the name of a platform someday whatever the whatever platform <laughs> right yes. but it's 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 taking the, the whatever platform that you have Whatever the platform God's given you, whether it is a family, whether it is single, whatever it is, and taking it and using it for God's glory. That is, and, and that's where fulfillment comes in. That's where maturity comes in. And that's where sometimes we're afraid because it's something that we've not done before and we're not sure we can do it and we don't want to fail. And if And if that is your motivation to not do something then that's a problem because God always, I won't, well, I won't say always, but God usually calls us to do things that we're not qualified to do, and he qualifies us to do the call, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so if if your motivation to not do, whether it's having a family or getting out, going out and having a job, and if, if, if fear is what d- drives that, then I would say that fear is a, a direct disobedience to God because he is the one that will call you. He's the one that will equip you. He's the one that will give you the power to do X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Um, so I would say in that sense, if what you, what motivates you to not do something is fear, instead you should take that fear and say, Lord, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've I've prayed and said, Lord, I'm scared. I mean, there was a time where if someone tried to hand me a child, I would run away. And now I have my own son that I take care of, my my, my wife included. Also, in obviously. fear, not out of kidnapping. Right, 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 right. <laughs> it is my it is my biological child that my wife has had. If you have a child, I'd run away and I'd chase you. <laughs> <laughs> but but there was a time um, in my life. Where if someone tried to hand me a child just to just to get me familiar with the process of even prospect of holding a child, I would have ran away, and I have ran away. I mean, and and, and there was fear in me in and and trying to uh, figure all that out. That's a whole probably uh, can't think of the word. Uh, therapy session at some other point in time but that doesn't matter but at the my whole point is is my motivation to not have any anything to do with children was fear you know and then the lord called me to take care of a a child and it was the greatest thing ever and so like you don't 
and that it goes back to you don't realize what true value some things are. You might be afraid to do those things. You might be afraid to do what God called you to do. But there might be a crazy amount of fulfillment in doing what God called you to do. If he tells you to take up this cross and follow him, and it leads to children, it leads to a wife, it leads to having a, a, a business, it has what, whatever it is, I mean, um, then it will be something magnificent and it will just change your life for the better. My having a, a son is the most blessed thing, one of the biggest blessings in my life I've ever had that I would not have, if you would have asked me five years ago, before I had a child, I would have said, no, I don't want kids. I don't want to look at kids. I don't want to have anything to do with kids. But now it's like this was the greatest thing. One of the greatest gifts I've ever been given was my son, you know, and it's like, wow. It, it inspires me to be a better person. It inspires me to try to teach my my son to be a better man than who I am, you know. There's that challenge um, to be selfless and and I feel like um, taking up your cross is being selfish selfless and and if we and if we reject that out of fear then that would be the that would be the example of where uh, it would be wrong if that makes sense and I'm not I'm not qualified and I'm not trying to psychoanalyze an entire generation, but I feel like a lot of what people are facing today is a combination of factors. I think number one, society doesn't do a good job of a equipping the younger generation for knowing how to basic adults. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Like, in school, they don't teach you how to manage money. Mm -hmm. They don't Not teach you basic lifing skills, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so I think a part of that is the the younger generation. Man, I sound like such an old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're a funny daddy. Jeez. No, um, uh, yeah, even though I'm in my 30s, here I am talking about the, those. Whippersnappers. Whippersnappers. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I think like we as a society don't emphasize basic life skills. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's part of why. And I think too, with that plus just everything going on in the world, like it's oh, yeah. it's so terrifying like when you come out of that innocence of being a kid mm -hmm. and you're not equipped on how to adult and then mm. you just see how like dark the world is out there when you're on your own yeah oh yeah you don't want to go into that you're just like when i was an innocent kid just mm -hmm. not having to think or worry about anything yeah. life was so much better oh yeah, yeah. and so i or, wonder if that's deep down part yeah. of like mm -hmm. and it's just like if you don't have 
especially if you don't have like Christ or like that strength of God to draw from. Oh yeah. Um, that can be pretty terrifying. Like even still, and I'm not yeah. saying that, you know, once you become a Christian, you know, you you don't fear anything. Right. That's not what I'm yeah. saying. Right. But I'm saying it would just be so much worse mm-hmm. to not have that strength. Well, and, and, and to kind of go on your point, I think also is, is oftentimes, you know, what you sink your time into, what do you sink your time into? You know, it's like if, if I, you know, go to college, I get this degree that, which may or may not be a job out there for me after I have my degree and then I'm shackled to a college debt. Um, Oh, I can attest to that. I went four years of college. Um, The university did a horrible job at, um, because I've never, I've never had a college degree before. Mm-hmm. I never had a career before. Right. So this is my first time doing that. <laughs> yeah. And you would think that the university, the career counselors would kind of guide you as to what are your goals and here's how to achieve yep. those. Yeah. They didn't do that. So mm-hmm. I got a four year oh, degree man. and it turned out, Hey, I can't get a job with this degree. Oh, um, no. Because you know, it wasn't, the right certifications it wasn't the right licensures that was so i had to go back to school Mm -hmm. after i got my four-year degree to get a different degree different licensure and it was like counselor the career counselors the whatever none of that came up nobody asked me any of that jeez Mm -hmm. i just assumed that hey this degree would carry a certain amount of weight in getting a job no no. So it's just like you can't really depend on. Mm-hmm. And that was, I guess, that was kind of ignorant on me. That was kind of naive on me thinking, you know, hey, this this is this career counselor's job. Obviously, they know what they're talking about. Ha-ha! But, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Fool me once. Um, Foiled but, again. <laughs> so, you know, that was a lessons learned, mm-hmm. um, you know. Well, years, and... But, and, and and, and yeah. to, to play that, I mean, let, let's even get so far as to say, like, in the career field, like, let's even go so far as to say you get a job, you get your career, or, or I'm sorry, you get your degree, and it does pan out, mm-hmm. and you get your job, and then five years down the road, the company that you work with moves to wherever, and they lay you off, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, like, so there there's legitimate fear in the unknown, and, and I think... That's one thing that Christianity, that's one thing that God, the gospel, really bridges the gap because, you know, he is our rock. He is our anchor. And if you look at careers, you look at, you know, education, you look at all these other factors, it can get overwhelming. Having Trying to figure out who's a good uh, mate for you, all those things. If you're trying to figure those things out on your own by yourself, you'll go crazy. But yeah. if you could take those things and go knowing that there is an infinite power, God, Yahweh, mm-hmm. who loves you, cares about you, and wants what's best for you, then he, then you can look to him mm-hmm. and say, God, I don't know if you're going to call me to singleness. I don't know if you're going to call me to be married. I don't know what those what that future looks like. I don't know if I'm going to be in corporate America the rest of my life. I don't know if I'm going to be a writer. 
I don't know if I'm going to be in ministry. I don't have any of these ideas figured out. But I know that you have the answer. Mm -hmm. And that is where the peace comes in. That is where it all comes down to just stopping, trying to do the rat race or whatever, and just surrendering that to the Lord. And that's... (laughs) It's it's fun, you know. It's it's crazy. It sounds it sounds crazy that in order to find your fulfillment, in order to find true path, it involves you surrendering. But that's really what it involves. It involves you surrendering. First, it involves you surrendering to the gospel, and then it means surrendering to what's God's plan for your life, like. If you're out acting like a harlot and God's like, nope, don't act like that, you know, or whatever. And he's putting guide rails on your life Mm. so that you then make good and better decisions. And then next thing you know, where you were terrified a few months ago, now you're walking in faith because you know he who has a plan for you will see it come to fruition. I'm not mm. quoting scripture necessarily, but there is truth in that because the God of the Bible, the God Yahweh, is always there and he will guide us and direct us. And if he calls us to do whatever it is, whether it's a YouTube channel, this, that, whatever, he will equip us to do those things and then Next thing you know, you're walking and talking in faith and living that out, and and um, fear has no place there because you just every time that fear comes up, you just surrender it, mm-hmm. and and I feel like that is something that's antithetical because we feel like in our society, if if I have the skill sets, if I do everything, then that means I I should have X, Y, or Z, or whatever that is. But that's not necessarily what God sees. God sees, okay, I'm calling you to this. You're not qualified for this. You're not qualified to take care of a kid. You're not qualified to take care of a husband or take care of a wife. But I've called you to it. And now that I've called you to it, I'm going to equip you for it. And you will do it. And it will be the greatest thing that you will even imagine possible. Yeah, like how many... How many Bible stories or characters in the Bible can you name that if they actually follow mm-hmm. as best they can in their heart, follow what God lays out, how many times have those people failed? Oh, <laughs> constantly. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, they almost never succeed, to be honest. So, I mean, <laughs> you can do. But on the flip side of that too is like God God uses your failures mm-hmm. like and is it really a, a failure right like you you may think that it's a failure but does God like if you're staying true mm-hmm. to what he's calling you to do right and in your heart you are earnestly doing what you believe that he's calling you for mm-hmm. even if that doesn't pan out or maybe it takes longer or maybe there's roadblocks you have to overcome mm-hmm. 
are those there for a reason? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, is God using that for something else? Mm-hmm. Is he, mm-hmm. you know, is he using you to influence someone else? Is he using someone else to help grow you? Mm-hmm. Vice versa. Like, uh, is there ever a if you're if you're honestly following God's calling? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you ever failing? And right. I would submit no. Like we may think we do. Mm-hmm. You know, we may we may work and we may land a job like what you were saying. It could be a dream job that we've always wanted. We feel called and then the company goes under, you get laid off mm-hmm. and then you're depressed. You're just like, "Well, what have I been doing for the past 10 years?" You know, it meant nothing. Right. Um, but like adjust your mindset like mm-hmm. you know is that you thinking that mm-hmm. or are you turning to what you know god I know wants exactly right. what yeah you're like I, i'm having yeah. a hard time articulating oh, well, it, but it's, oh, that's fine. been a whole but night it's, for me <laughs> yeah but it's just like i think that's another thing too is is people will pursue things and it goes kind of what you guys were talking about of kind of that selfishness mm-hmm. of this is I know what's best for me mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. And here's how I think my life should go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Versus yep. maybe there's another, maybe there's an all knowing. Oh yeah. Infinite, you know, being who may think a little different. Yeah. yeah. It's probably a little wiser than you and probably knows better <laughs> yeah. of, of, you know, what's best for you. Oh, and yeah. I think that's a lot of conflict too. If you're trying to fight that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, number one, you're not going to win, and number two, that's really going to add so much more stress to your mm-hmm. life if you're kind of fighting mm-hmm. against that current. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, um, like, I don't know. Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, one thing we need to remember, all of us listening, is um, our lives, our callings, our ministries. Um, they have seasons. There are times when you're meant to do one thing for a certain period of time and then another. Um, You know, me as a church pastor, there could be a time later in life when I hit the brakes on uh, church ministry per se and I actually just teach Bible in a seminary or teach Bible in a Christian school or go from the church I'm currently recording in to another church or Mm -hmm. anywhere. Uh, Some people are in a certain career for a while and then they go to a related career for you know, a certain number of years. And I, I think that's the one temptation yeah. to think, oh, I wasted all that time. It's like, no, you, that's your story. Or like I failed. Exactly. Whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And you were meant to go from one pond to the other, to the other. And when you zoom out and you see all five, six, seven, eight ponds you hopped in, mm-hmm. that together is your story. There could be people who got saved in each one of those ponds who will thank you when you get to heaven. Mm-hmm. And I think one th- problem with that, uh, that causes us to think that way is, you know, the American dream outside of Christ can be the expectations, especially when they lay that out for you in school. We've talked about how little they prepare you for the world. Like you're going to graduate, then you'll go to college, you'll graduate, and then you'll work. <laughs> it's like Until this you die. long line. <laughs> yeah. And I think we have, and some people will roll their eyes when they hear me say this. It's a cheesy illustration, but it's one that's been in my mind since I was little is a Clark Kent syndrome. Um, I've always adored Superman. And we He's got have... a picture of me in his wall that he loves Superman. <laughs> <laughs> I stroke it and tell him I love him. But no, 
That was weird. But, that uh, was weird. You might want to cut that out. I don't know. I don't know. The, the Henry Cavill Superman, that was a pretty good Superman. He's, he's dreamy, but no. Um, but <laughs> You're fired. Get the out. The stuff you Get throw out. out. Get out. Oh. Get out. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, but the, the story of Superman, we have this idea of him growing up. He moves to the big city. And um, in every version of the story, there's this moment where he arrives. He is an adult now. Um, he becomes a superhero. He comes out to the public. And the whole idea of the comic book character is he's meant to be kind of eternal. I mean, he's been around since the 30s. He's been be- booted, rebooted, re-rebooted to death. Killed. Killed, brought back. Because, I mean, who's going to throw away all those sales? Dimensions. Ultimate dimensions. <laughs> yeah. And you can do that because he's fictional. And we have this idea that he is a newspaper reporter for eternity. It's just who he is. That's where he works. That's his double life. Um, he is forever flirting or married to Lois Lane. He is forever sneaking away from his boss to fight crime. And it, it's kind of like this timeless vortex. You can do that in fiction. And we have this idea, this expectation, like if you don't arrive soon enough in your life, uh, if you don't peak soon enough for you to have a soaring career after that, we feel like we've missed the ball mm-hmm. and we beat ourselves up. And it could be God's will for us to peak at later times in life. It might not be God's will for you to go to college. It might not be God's will for you to keep one steady career that's con- constantly increasing, uh, being promoted or uh, going farther and wider. It could be God's will for you to let go of a lucrative career and go to the mission field, for example. Um, One of the biggest things I've heard was Moses. Um, We only know him for leading the people of Israel out of Egypt to the promised land, and he was 80 years old when Mm -hmm. he got called to do that. He peaked at 80. Mm -hmm. He reached stardom at 80. That is what he is known for. Mm-hmm. And we would have already, con- in today's world, we would have already considered him retired. We wouldn't have even bothered with We would have put Grandpa in the back and let Joshua take this. Yeah. Stuck and, him in the old folks' home and yeah. be done with him. Yeah. And in Jesus' day, and I mean modern uh, Judaism today, uh, they don't argue in the name of Joshua. They argue the law of Moses. They argue in Moses' name. Mm-hmm. They lean on what he was known for. It says there was never a prophet quite like him. And he wasn't really known until he had, by our standards, well past his prime. Uh-huh. <laughs> and all the best stories from him come from 80 years old and up. And so someone once told me, what if God meant for you to have this very explosive ministry when you're 80? And my knee-jerk reaction, and I said it out loud to him, too. I was like, he better not. <laughs> I'm not sitting around until I'm 80. <laughs> and he was like, he might, he might have you. He might have you. And I thought, well, surely to goodness, if I'm willing to be and stay active, I wouldn't do anything till I'm 80. But, I mean, now in hindsight, who's to say he won't? Who's to say I can, you know, just pastor a few people and maybe be involved in this massive revival when I'm 80 years old? I mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. No, well, I mean, and, and the, the other aspect of it, and I've talked, you know, numerous times with different people throughout the throughout the years, it's like, you don't we don't have a clear idea of what eternity looks like. We know we'll do some sort of work and it could even be that some of the things that we start here don't actually come to fruition on this side of eternity but come to fruition on the other side of eternity. Mm-hmm. So it might even be like something 
you really desperately want to do, like for me, writing, that might not be something that happens on this side of heaven. It might be that there's, who knows what the other occupation might be on the new heaven and new earth. I mean, you know, it's 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 that crazy idea, but the reality of it is, is if you've accepted Christ, you have an eternity with God, and He will have something for you to do. And it will be uncorrupted, it will be good, and he will be pleased by it, and you will be pleased by it. It won't be a uh, won't be uh, a drag or anything like that. It will be something that there's will be no fun. monotony. There's no tedious, yeah. repetitive, mm-hmm. boring job. Oh yeah, right. Grinds. So I mean, yeah. it it will be something that will provide fulfillment because he's doing what you called him to do. He's called you to do. And yeah, yeah. Well, I've heard a lot of people like they're a really good artist or a really good painter or whatever. And she's like, you should do this as a business. And they're like, mm-hmm. no, I mean, I like it as a hobby, but I think if I had to do it as a business, it kind of would take the fun out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a perfect example. Right. So what if they do have that talent and they get to heaven and all of a sudden they're able to pursue this artistry right to the fullest extent of what oh, yeah. you know and with a perfect mind and if artistic time, inspiration and, of being and, in yeah. heaven or the new earth like in time to perfect like yeah. i mean like if you pick like using the analogy of moses if you picked up a paintbrush and learned how to paint you know within a few years you consider good but then you have eternity to, to perfect your technique you know, mm-hmm. to, 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 and Hey, like, okay. Uh, Moses, Paul, Abraham. Okay. You guys get together, stay right there. Don't move. And I'm going to paint you. You could like, li- and then like paint Jesus and then like, and not be weird because you could actually see Jesus and, and paint him instead of like, you know, doing your own, version or whatever you know i mean it's like and two it's just like uh it the bible says every culture will be represented right and so what if you had an eternity to immerse yourself like you spend a thousand years immersed in this culture learning every nuance learning their language Mm -hmm. obviously you know a perfected version of it right (laughs) um, and then you you then you move a thousand years. You're spending it immersing yourself in another culture, learning right. another oh, yeah. language, and right. just really like absorbing and just you know, you have an eternity to learn and master every single language, right? <laughs> if yeah, that's what you're into. That would be great. Yeah. I mean, Excuse me. Uh, I apologize about that. that bad yawn right in the microphone. <laughs> I mean, I mean, goodness, can you just imagine being a linguistics expert? Oh, I know. And you're like, that's somehow your job in the new earth. And you've spent a thousand years each studying every tongue under the sun. <laughs> and that could be and the same for it. any discipline. Yeah. And you're good at it. Oh, yeah. And it never gets boring. You're right. always yeah. discovering something new and it excites you. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, Zach mentioned being a writer. I mean, imagine how many novels you could crank out after 400,000 years <laughs> of undeterred writing ability. I mean, 
With a perfected mind. With a perfected right. mind. I mean, Stephen King's known for cranking him out, and he's only written 50 in a few decades. I mean, right. 30,000 years of nonstop creativity. And there's only like, what, four? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Five Sorry. tops. The rest are filler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. But. Yeah, no. You want to land the plane for us? Yeah, Robert. At time. Okay, but yeah, uh, that kind of some to sum things up without beating a dead horse. Your life does have purpose, since you were made in the image of God. You don't have to run afraid from the world that we're in, even though it's dark, because Christ alone is the light. And since you don't have to run, you should have boldness, freedom, wisdom, power—all simply in Christ's name to go after the things that you were meant to be uh, be chasing, the things that you were born to do, that you were wired and programmed to do before the foundation of the world. And if we could understand this in mass, if people uh, obviously could put their faith in Christ, that's the big priority. But if we all had Christ, and what, just imagine how the adult pandemic would just disappear. People would uh, be motivated beyond their wildest dreams. People would be excited to see the ends of their lives, not in some morbid sense, but they'd be excited to be racing towards the end and knowing that it would just keep going, that their careers aren't going to be cut short. They don't have to worry about wasting time chasing after the wrong mentality. They don't have to worry about whether they've peaked to that adulthood in their minds, that ideal soon enough, because you will have all the time you could ever dream of and if that could happen, just imagine what that would do to all of our work ethics, to the, what that would do to all of our lives, our willingness to keep pushing forward for a change. And we'd be able to step out into the world and really own our own adulthood, be able to take risks, be able to uh, make dreams come true as long as they're about Christ and not about ourselves. And when we have these dreams, as long as we sanctify them to him, there's not a thing wrong with chasing after things, no matter how outrageous they may seem or unobtainable that they may be. We have no reason to be discouraged from that, to take responsibilities, to pick up our crosses, put ourselves out of the way, make sacrifices for that treasure that can never fade, that's far above and beyond anything that we could ever imagine. We brought up Moses, and I'll land the plane with this quote from the New Testament. The author of Hebrews was going through a list of famous names. We call it the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. And he gets to Moses, and he actually says, Moses, who was, without going into a biography of Moses, I've got to land the plane for real, but he was, long story short, he was raised as an Egyptian royal and gave that up to join Israel as nomads in the desert. And the, the author of Hebrews says, he willingly gave up the gold and treasures of Egypt, the world power at the time. He gave those up because he counted it much more pr- valuable and precious to be counted among the people of Christ than to be counted among the people of the Pharaoh. He gave it all up because he saw a treasure that shines brighter even though you can't see it with your eyes. And if we could see that treasure, just imagine what we'd be willing to give up in pursuit of something so much deeper and inspirational. Because we still remember Moses' name. And if Moses had any siblings in the Egyptian court, we don't remember their names at all. That tells you everything. 
All right. Well, excellent. Well, thank you both. I uh, really appreciate uh, your time this evening. Those of you listening, uh, thanks for uh, listening to another of our episodes. Again, um, review us, leave us a comment, leave us a like on whatever platform you're listening uh, to us on. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back with you all on the next episode. So see you all. Bye-bye. See ya.